We've got to get them on CD or something. That's just great. I want to uh, just say a word of thank you to our church. Um, our church gave Mary Alice and me a Bible study this last week, but the Bible study happened to be on a cruise that went to the Bahamas. And uh, we, were, we had a great, uh, great time this week. feels kind of funny to have a sunburn under your suit and it's seven degrees outside. Uh, but it was really a great time for us, a great time of rest. And uh, my wife kept saying over and over this week as we'd just sit down for dinner or something on the boat or whatever, she would say, it's just so good to have you all to myself, which is a very flattering thing for a wife to say to her husband. But uh, she said, it's just so good to have you all to myself uh, and not have a cell phone ring or something. And so I, I just really appreciate, I want to just say a word of gratitude, and I'll express it more formally later, but uh, I just want to say a word of gratitude to our church for your fine gift to Mary Alice and me. Well, we've been talking about an extreme makeover because it's the beginning of the year and it's the time we think about changing our lives. And uh, extreme makeovers are in, you know, people getting their hair fixed and their teeth fixed and dealing with some uh, extra fat cells in their bodies. There's liposuction and all these things, cosmetic surgery. And, uh, but we're talking about beauty from the inside because, frankly, most of us are never going to have an extreme makeover on the outside. But everybody can have an extreme makeover on the inside. Makeover on the inside. And that's where it's important because, see, true beauty is on the inside. You could change everything about yourself cosmetically, you know? I mean, you could have everything about you changed. Uh, but if it's not a change on the inside, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? Because the true beauty is on the inside. I, I, I would just take a moment, and I don't, guys here, and of course, we've got a lot of high school guys and a lot of young single guys. I, I don't, you don't need to respond to me tangibly. But there are, there are a lot of young women out here thinking to yourself that if I was really uh, like, you know, if I look like Paris Hilton or somebody, you know, guys would really be after me. I want to tell you something. The, the guys here that really matter that you'll want to marry, if they could speak today, they would tell you that it's the inner beauty they're looking for more than anything else. I, I tell you, the guys here would tell you that. You know, and so the important thing here is to have that inner beauty, whether you're 17 years old or 97 years old, to have a makeover on the inside. Now, you know, when you, gotta, when you have a makeover, you've got to get rid of some stuff. And if I, I know this, if I, if I were to get into one of those extreme makeover things, they would take one look at my closet and they would say, you know what, a lot of stuff is going to have to go. Because a lot of stuff in my closet, frankly, is just not in. And I've lived long enough, I'm 48 years old, I've lived long enough that I've seen styles come and go. And there have been times when I, I thought I had to have something because it was hot. But you couldn't get me to leave the house then today. I got to think about a couple styles in my past that, that, that this certainly fits with. When I was 12 years old, I had to have a Nehru shirt. Now you got to be really old to know what I'm talking about here. I think we have it up here. It's on the right up there. I had to have a, that's probably a woman's Nehru shirt, but I, I had to have a Nehru shirt. Now, in case you don't know, you got to be, like I say, you got to be really old to understand this one. The Beatles had gone over to the east, and they kind of got some of that eastern stuff, you know, and all of a sudden it became hot to wear these Nehru shirts. And when I was 12 years old, man, I had to have one. And I'll never forget when I went to the store and finally bought this kind of orange-colored Nehru shirt. And I got to tell you this, if you put one of those Nehru shirts with some bell-bottom pants and some love beads, <laughs> like I did when I went to school, you just knew when you looked in the mirror that you were, in a word, groovy. <laughs> I never felt so good in my life. There has never been any piece of garment I ever wanted in my life 
like I wanted a Nehru shirt. But I'll tell you what, you couldn't get me out of the house in one today. <laughs> now I got to talk to you about something that was really hot for men to wear in, not, in, in, the, in the 70s. It was called a leisure suit. How many of you guys can remember leisure suits? I want to tell you what, if any fashion designer brings back leisure suits, he ought to be shot. I mean, just public execution. And there's no law in the land that should condemn it. The most awful thing in the world. This one looks like it was worn by Chairman Mao. But I got to tell you, when, when, I was, when I was a young man, leisure suits were the theme. And I remember I had to have, when I had different colors, you know, I had uh, mint green. Well, there's a color for you. You just look like the unknown comic waiting for a bag to put over your head. I mean, that's, that's just what they were. Now, at one time, I thought these styles were really cool. But I got to tell you this, as I said a moment ago, you couldn't catch me dead in one today. Many of us had those things, but like Jared said in the opening, we've cleaned out our closet. Now, listen to me, guys. When it comes to spiritual things and emotional things, sometimes you have to clean out your closet. Because there's stuff that you thought were, that was important at one time that you don't think is important now. Now, take your Bibles, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Um, I, I keep many translations that I read. In this series, I, I brought the Bible that I just read in Bible study every day, which is my New, New Living Translation. But whatever translation you've got this morning, if it's a faithful translation, you'll see what I'm talking about here from the text. I'd like for you to find Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Now listen to what Paul says here. I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Look at this. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ. What a powerful text. What's going on here in our text is Paul has cleaned some old junk out of his life. So let's ask ourselves the question this morning as we're going to do this Bible study. What are these old things like the leisure suit and the Nehru shirt? And some of you ladies could have your own fashions that you've kind of discarded through the years and you can't imagine yourself wearing them. Uh, what are some of these things that Paul said at one time I thought it was also important I thought it was the rage to have but now I've gotten rid of it what are these things and, and by the way what a strong statement he said I have discarded them I have thrown them away like trash well if you want to know what those things are you have to go back in the verses that go right before that and if you go back to verse 4 look at what he says here in Philippians 3 verse 4 he said yet I could have confidence in myself if anyone could now we're told today the importance of self-confidence and self-importance but it's interesting to me that Paul puts this self-importance on the list of stuff that he used to think was important that is not important to him anymore he used to think it was so important to have but he got rid of it now immediately if you look at the text Paul begins to talk about the list of his accomplishments and they were mammoth before Paul came to know Christ as his Savior, he was the up-and-coming lawyer in Jerusalem. I mean, he was the young man that everybody looked at. He was voted most likely to succeed. He, he, he was the young guy that the old lawyers looked at and said, this guy is going somewhere. And 
whenever you're like that and people look at you and you're the you know you win the beauty contest or you you uh, you score higher on your SAT than anybody else does and you're voted most likely to succeed after a while if you're not careful you begin to wear that like clothes now, I'm part of the National Honor Society I'm all district I'm all conference I, I, I'm I, I've been promoted faster than anybody else here in the business you can begin to wear that like clothing I'm important because of these achievements but what's interesting about this is that Paul is cleaning this out he said you know what I used to think that was important to be big stuff I used to think it was important to win awards I used to think it was important to be the up-and-comer but he said you know what I've discarded that now I'm cleaning it out of my closet it's not in style anymore let's go to the next one and look out for this because this is gonna hit some of us pretty hard look at verse 4 of this text yet, yet I have confidence uh, yet could I, I could have confidence in myself if anyone could. If others have reason for the confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. For I was circumcised when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. So I am a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Now, here's the second thing that Paul has got to get out of his closet, and this is a big surprise to some of us. He had to get religious identity out of his closet. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a fork in life's road. One direction means following Christ. The other direction means being religious. You know that? They're not the same road. I mean, there are a lot of people who are religious who don't know Jesus, and that's what Paul was. He was very religious. Notice that he said he was a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were the most conservative, Bible-believing group in Paul's day. They were more conservative than anybody else. Notice the word that Paul uses in the text. He said he was strict. You know what? There are some of us who have gotten the idea that strictness is the equivalent of godliness. And that's not true. That was in style for you one day. That was, in, that was the style of the church that you attended strictness and Paul said I used to be that the Pharisees were the ones that claimed they believe in the scriptures and 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 that's a great thing that's why Jesus said do what they say just don't do what they do and he said I used to be that I was that was part of me I wore it like clothes religious identity now in a minute Paul is going to say this and you find this in verse 8 he said yes everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord I've discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ I'm just wondering are we getting that this morning see I just really believe there are a lot of people in churches today who don't have a clue about that somehow they have they have adopted an identity from being in a religious culture I am a Baptist I am a Catholic, I am a Methodist, I am whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. No religion will get you into heaven. And I'm telling you, you can say, well, I'm a Baptist, and Baptists are okay. Listen to me. You will search this book up and down, and you will not find the Baptist denomination. You will not find the Catholic denomination. You will not find the Methodist denomination. And I know right now, I, I, I've made some of you mad at me. You know why I've made you mad at me? Because that has become an identity for you. And you wear that like clothing. But it has nothing to do with the Bible. 
has zero to do with Christ. You say, but my dad was a Baptist, or my grandmother was a Methodist, and they loved the Lord. Praise God. See, that's the key. They loved the Lord. If they loved the Lord, they weren't in love with their religion. And that's what I'm here to tell you this morning. See, Paul was very religious. You say, well, Pastor, I grew up very strict. I want to guarantee you, you didn't grow up nearly as strict as Paul did. I mean, he grew up making sure his garments were just perfect. His food had to be just right. He could do certain things on the Sabbath. He couldn't do a lot of things on the Sabbath. I mean, he grew up extraordinarily strict, so much so that that became part of his identity. Am I talking to some of you this morning? Your religion has become part of your identity. You can be in a good church, and that religion will creep in and become part of your identity. If it has, I want to encourage you to be like Paul. That, see, that's not what God wants for you. Let it go. See, here's what God wants for you in Isaiah 61, verse 10. The Bible says, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm not the slightest bit concerned about being a Baptist because it won't be worth that when you get to heaven. I mean, you know, you know some people have this idea that when you get to heaven, there's going to be, okay, if you're Baptist, okay, over here now. Southern Baptists go over here. Independent Baptist over here. Missionary Baptist over here. Baptist Bible Fellowship over here. World Baptist Fellowship way, way back over here. Bob Jones Baptist, you're over here. Okay, now Presbyterians come in. You guys are going to have this section of heaven. Do you think it's going to be like that? Wake up. Heaven is a place for people who are clothed in salvation, draped in the robes of God's righteousness. And that's what God wants. I'm just saying some of you need to clean out the closet today. You say, I can't, Pastor. This is how I was taught. Then get retaught. Get out of your religion, get into the Word. Listen, i got to tell you something. I grew up in church all my life, and i got to tell you, when I look at the average Christian with their Bibles, it's usually like this, closed. Get into the Word. Find out what God has to say. You say, but I was trained. Get into the Word and find out what God has to say. You say, but Pastor Hoover taught me this. Listen, forget about me. I'm God's servant. Get into the Word and find out what God is saying to you. Now, you still love me? Oh, I know I got on some sacred ground right there, but Paul said, he said, I used to be strict. But he said, I just cleaned out my closet, you know, and out went that, that garment that I used to think was so important. Let's move on. What's next? Look at verse 4. Paul said, yet I could have confidence in myself if anyone could, if others have a reason for confidence in their own efforts. Look at this. I have even more. What is it in our spirit that makes us want to beat somebody else? What is it that gives us that competitiveness? And I don't guess there's anything wrong with competitiveness in life, but if it leads to a sense of superiority. Have you ever been around somebody that all they wanted to convince you of is that they were better than you? They were smarter than you. They worked harder than you. They had a better pedigree. They had a better education. See, at one point, that was what was in Paul's closet, you know? You hear that commercial, what's in your wallet? Well, what was in Paul's closet was he had this feeling that he was going to beat everybody else. He was this young up-and-comer, and he was going to work harder and be smarter and do better things than the people around him. Now, I don't know what you see today, but I see a lot of people today struggling with the same stuff that Paul was struggling with. They want to be important as self. They want to have religious identity. They want a sense of superiority. But look at this one more time. We read it a moment ago, but look at verse 
7. This is, this is huge. Actually, i got to tell you, this is probably one of the lines that got me started thinking about this series. He said, I once thought all those things were so very important. That's huge. Paul said, I used to think this was important. I, I wanted to be important. I wanted to beat everybody else. And my religion, my, my identity, my religious identity was so very important to me. But he said, now I consider them as not quite as important. Is that what he says? No, no. I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So today, I just want to get you to think about cleaning out your closet. Now, let's, let's do this. Uh, you know, whenever you, whenever you clean out your closet, usually it's because you bought something new, right? You know, we Americans, we're so blessed. You go to third world countries, a lot of them just have maybe one suit of clothes or one, one set of clothes. Man, we got stuff everywhere. And after a while, you know, you can go to your closet and you've been to the mall and you got this new outfit. You know what it's like when you bring it home from the mall and it's draped in the, in the cellophane or whatever, or it's, you know, it's got the bag around it. You look at your closet and you say, you know what, I don't want to put, listen, I don't want to put this new dress or this new, these new pants or this new suit. I don't want to put this in my closet the way it is right now because everything's jammed so tight It'll just squash the life out of this new clothes, right? You've been there? And you stand there and say, you know what? Some of this stuff has got to go because I don't want it to mess up what's now new and important to me. So how many of you have done this for? You just reach in, you know, you, you, you do this, you just do this number, you reach in your closet and just pull it all together, lift it up and take it out, and then you put that new garment in there. That's what Paul was saying. He said, all the stuff that I used to think was so very important, my importance, my religious identity, beating everybody else, just reach in the closet and pull it out. Why? Because what he was putting in his closet now was so superior to that. He is now putting Christ in its place. I, I thought about, what could I, how could I characterize this in the message for you? And I just thought about this, the difference maker. Because see, Jesus made so much difference in Paul's life. You know, all the stuff he did for self, all the stuff he did for religion, all the stuff he did to beat other people, he thought that stuff was improving his life. Jesus doesn't improve your life. Jesus changes your life. That's why all the old stuff had to go. The difference maker had come. See, Jesus had brought reality and meaning to his life. Before, he had all the rules. He had all the stuff. He had all the, all the prestige. But none of that stuff brought reality to his life. Listen to me. We are living in a world that is starved for reality. What's wrong with the average church today? And I know I've been in many of them today. What's wrong with so many churches? There's nothing real there. There's ritual. And people pat themselves on the back for going and saying, well, I feel better because I went to church today. I performed the ritual. I've been doing this all my life. Listen to me. What Paul was hungry for was something that was real in his life. And when he was on the Damascus Road that day and Jesus knocked him off his horse, he knew he had encountered reality. And beyond that, he had encountered meaning. I wish I knew how to preach because it's just, this stuff just burns in my soul and I can never get it out the way I feel it. Think about style for a moment. What makes style relevant? And really get right down to it, it's culture. The, you guys are all in style today. You look cool. You look great. What makes you look good, fashion-wise? Well, because there's a culture here. I mean, if any of you walked in here with a dashiki today, you would draw a lot of attention. Because that looks different. 
But now, if you were in Africa, it wouldn't look different because that's custom, that's custom, I mean, that's, 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 that's cultural apparel in Central Africa. I mean, if you came in today dressed as they dress in certain Muslim countries, you know, you would catch everybody's eye. But if you dress like you dress today and you're in Saudi Arabia, you'd catch everybody's eye and probably catch a lot of grief. Culture determines fashion. Now, here's, this is what's interesting. Why Paul changed, why he got the old stuff out of his closet and he, and he changed is found for us in the difference that Jesus made in his life. Because not only did Jesus bring in reality and meaning, this is what's so great. Look at the last part of the chapter. Jesus brought a change of citizenship. See, the old styles that Paul had been wearing, his self-importance, his religion, his beating everybody else, all that stuff is out of style in the new culture and the new nationality that Paul possesses. Find verse 20. The Bible says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. See, the stuff that Paul had in his closet was out of style in heaven. I am not, listen to me, and I know, again, I, I probably have pressed on a sensitive nerve on some of you today. I don't mean to do that. But i got to tell you something. I'm not the slightest bit concerned about being in style in this world, in, with the Baptist, with this church. I am concerned about being in style in heaven. Amen. See, my citizenship has changed. I'm an American by birth, and I'm Kansan here by the grace of God. But my real citizenship is in heaven. And I want to be in style there. See, being self-important is totally out of style in heaven because, see, in heaven the thing is serving others. And, and, and being religious, that's completely out of style because I want to tell you something. In heaven, it's a place of praise and glory. You say, you know, some of the music that we have here and some of the worship is a little too exciting for me. I kind of like it sedate. You're going to have to have an extreme makeover before you go to the worship in heaven. Because it's real and it's meaningful and it's powerful. So Paul is saying, I'm cleaning out the old junk. I'm discarding it because it's no longer valuable to me. And I got something better in my closet. I've got the difference maker. I've got Jesus. In fact, he said it's so important to me. I just want to get rid of all this old junk in order that Jesus may reign in my life. Okay, I got a few minutes. Are you with me so far? All right, now let me give you the tough one. Because a lot of you, you're out there with me, say, I got you, Pastor. Get rid of the importance of self. Get rid of the religious stuff. You know, get rid of the, I got to beat you because Jesus is here and he's made a difference in my life. Okay, great. That's easy for most of us. Not the next one. I want to talk to you about the big challenge for kingdom citizens. These are for those of you who've already now, you've graduated from point one. You've already gotten your diploma and your, your mortarboard. And you say, okay, I'm with you, Pastor. Here's the tough one. Take your Bibles one more time. Still Philippians chapter 3. Find verse, this time verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. Okay? Where are you, Paul? I got the old stuff out of my closet. But he's saying, you know, listen, he's saying, I'm still not all I should be. But... I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past. That's so important. It's not easy to forget the past, amen? 
it is not easy to forget the past. Now, just as you have to take some of the stuff Paul talked about in your closet, if you look at the things, especially the things that have hurt you in the past, they can be like garments in your closet. Someone said something to hurt you, your parents didn't love you, maybe, maybe, maybe you were abused, maybe you've been in some relationships that were painful in your life, maybe you've had some, some problems, maybe there have been some crises, maybe you've had some health problems in your past, and sometimes we have a closet that's just filled with past hurts. But here's what Paul is saying. He is saying, I'm cleaning out my closet. I'm forgetting all that's in my past. Now, have you done that today? Many of us live our lives rehearsing the past. Wow, this was said to me. These people did this. Why is it that we hold on to our past? Why do we live in the past? I've met so many people through the years they, they, they were just spoiled by stuff that happened to them, stuff their mother did, the way they were brought up, the way they were hurt. Why is it that we hold on to our past, especially when it's painful? Well, for one thing, the past can become an identity. I know people who are identified by stuff, bad stuff that's happened to them. And that to, to them, that's become the, the way that they're identified. I am the person who's wife left him. I am the person whose husband uh, left her. I, I am the person who was abused. They almost make a career. They almost make a life out of what happened to them. And I'm not denigrating. I, I'm not saying that those things are not important. I'm not saying that, that, they, that they weren't painful. I'm just saying this. At some point in your life, you've got to clean out your closet. You say, well, my, my, my father abused me, and that is tragic. And I, and, and I wouldn't say that, 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 that that's, a, that's a light thing. It's a big thing. But you want to live, you want to, you want to be clothed in that for the rest of your life? I know people, as I said a moment ago, their identity is wrapped up in the hurts that have happened to them. I remember when I was uh, just a kid, I was a young guy, and uh, my, my dad was closing out the service one day. And we had this straight on kind of old-fashioned auditorium at church where I grew up, my dad pastored. And there was an entry that came directly out of the parking lot into the back of the church. So, I mean, if you were standing in the pulpit area, you could look out and see somebody drive up and come into the church. The service was over, and there was this elderly man. He looked elderly to me at the time. He probably wasn't as old as I thought, probably somewhere in his early 60s. He was just standing at the door crying. And in those days, we were on the radio live. And he and his wife had listened to us on the radio and she had died suddenly. And I remember he came into our church that day and became part of our fellowship. He proceeded to live for about another 15 years. Every time you saw this man, he would talk to you about his wife and how she died, and he would rehearse it over and over. I can remember he would drive over to our house, sit in our living room. And I mean, he told us the story over and over. And you think, you say, Pastor, you're being calloused, you're being cold. No, I'm not. We love this guy. He was a sweet guy, and he did many good things and nice things for our church. He was a good fellow. But what happened was there came a point at which he became identified by his wife's death. All I'm saying to you this morning is, you know, there's a point at which you've got to clean out the closet, and you've got to say what happened in the past was hurtful, it was painful, but I refuse to let it identify me. Sometimes we hold on to the past because holding on to the past makes us feel alive. You know, we all want to know that we're still living, and the, the past emotions may be painful, and when we go back and visit them, at least we know that we're alive. 
but that's no reason to hold on to the past. And here's a tender one, and I've got to be so careful here today. I don't want to press too hard on this, but I've got to be honest. Sometimes the past can become an excuse. You know, when you go talk to a psychologist about problems you're having in your life, he's going to talk to you about what happened in your past because he wants a way to understand why you are where you are. Now, the past can be a reason for things, but it should never become an excuse for things. And I really believe there are people, they don't want to let go of their past because their past says, I have a, I have a reason, I have an excuse for not accomplishing what I should accomplish. I was in Vietnam, and when I came back from Vietnam, I mean, we were treated so badly, and it's true, but that can't be an excuse for not doing what you should do today. You say, Pastor Hoover, when I was a kid growing up, my dad abused me sexually, and so I, I have a right to be frigid toward my husband. No, you do not. It may be a reason for your journey, but it's not an excuse for where you are today. Paul said, i got to clean out my closet. I am forgetting. That's a big word. I am forgetting those things which are behind. He said, it's just junk I don't need. It's out of style. And that's how it is with your past. It'll mess up your mind. It'll mess up your marriage. It'll mess up your relationships. It will mess up your walk with God. Let it go. Let it go. Clean it out. You say, well, well, Pastor, I just don't know if I can clean it out. Maybe I can box it up and put it in my basement. <laughs> I may want to take it out someday. No, no, no. Clean it out. Clean it out and let it go. You say, Pastor, I don't know how I can afford to let it go. I got a fact. To, I got a thought to lay on you this morning. You just see where the Holy Spirit leads you with this fact, this thought. Have you ever thought about the fact that the very first thing that God does in your life is to make a way for you to lose your past. Have you ever thought about that? What is salvation? Salvation is Jesus Christ coming into your life, cutting your past loose from you. I mean, the Bible tells us our sins are forgotten by our God. He puts them as far behind him as the east is from the west. Has it ever occurred to you that the first thing that Jesus does when he comes into your life is he cuts you loose from your past because he wants a relationship with you. And if you're junked up with all the stuff in your past, how can he have a relationship with you? So here's what he says. He said, we're just going to forget it all. We're going to put your sins under the blood. And they're gone. Now listen, listen to me. Here's what I'm Because some of you, I know, I know this is a sermon where I can press on a nerve, and some of you I probably got you a little angry, and you just say, Well, Mark, you just don't know what's happened to me. And yeah, maybe other people can forget, but boy, I just can't I can't let go of this. Listen to me. If God can forget all your sin, why can't you let the past go? If God can wash you clean from all the things that have been done to you, that you've done, why can't you let go? other things. Now, why is it that the very first thing that the Lord does in our life is to cut us loose from our past? Here's the answer to that. God wants you moving forward. God wants you, you know, he doesn't want you in reverse. He doesn't put the reverse gear in your spirit. He wants you to be moving forward. And here's the great thing. Here's why you can afford to forget your past. We have so much to look forward to. Take your Bible one more time. Look at Philippians this time, beginning in verse 12. And he said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already touched perfection. 
But I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. But I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain, he said, to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. Wow, we have a lot to look forward to, don't we? I mean, hey, listen, you say, Mark, I got some bad things in my past. Yeah, but if you know Jesus, you got some awesome things in your future. <laughs> Man, you're going someplace. Someone said this about, the, you know, the atheist. Pity the atheist. When he dies, he's all dressed up and no place to go. Well, he's going someplace. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're going, you've got so much in your future. I mean, do you realize that? You're not going to die. When, when the time comes for your death, your body's going to drop off that part of you that's conscious, awake, alert, and aware. You're going to go right on living. And you'll just go right in the presence of God. I mean, when that time comes for your death or the rapture, Jesus will just reach out and take your hand and bring you into eternal life. Where there will never be any more tears. There will never be any more suffering. There will never be any problems. Listen, I just came back from the Bahamas. i got to tell you something. Bahamas look awful good compared to Kansas in January. <laughs> you know, I just lay out there on the beach and looked up at the sun and the sky, and it was awesome. I was just next to my wife, and we were talking over good things. It was great to be in the Bahamas. But i got to tell you something. The Bahamas can't compare to heaven. We're going somewhere. Cut the past loose. Reach into the closet. Take all those old styles, all those old hurts and those old pains. Pick them up and throw them away. Why? Because Paul said having Jesus in your life is all you need. Could you do that this morning? If you can, you're going to go a long way to having an extreme makeover. Thank you for listening this morning. May God bless you. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just praise you for what we've read today. And I ask you to help us. Father, some of us are on that uh, treadmill of self-importance. We're like that little hamster in the cage running to the wheel. Or oh, we want to be better than other people. Our oh, Lord, there's some of us, we struggle with religion. And we let religion identify us instead of Jesus. Lord, help us to just get rid of those old styles. And Father, I'm preaching to some people who've been really hurt by some things that have happened in their past. And it's not easy. But I pray by your grace that you'll help them to reach into the closet and take it out and let it go. And Father, we want Jesus in our lives. Like Paul said, we want to know him. We want to know him and the power of his resurrection. We love this church, but we want more than this church. We want Jesus in our lives. And Father, don't let us stop until we clean out the closet and have Jesus as our garment of righteousness.